Greeting, Earthlings. Welcome to Saturday Morning Showdown, Quarantine Edition. If this is your first time joining us, my name's Don. I'm Lee. We're a tag team of pop culture artists from the Philadelphia area, and we go by the name 8-Bit Fusion. And we grew up in the golden age of the Saturday Morning Cartoon, so we wanted to make a show to watch some of our favorites and just talk about them. We're joined this week by my good friend, David. David, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh quarantined now, like you two but uh, uh, how you holding up uh, my cat and i have had some wonderful conversation <laughs> <laughs> now before we get started david am i legally required to call you dr hadley well, not legally but okay uh, <laughs> you know professionally maybe <laughs> so you picked this week's episode what are we what are we watching today we are watching the Fox animated series X-Men, specifically uh, Night of the Sentinels, uh, part one of two. Yeah. I haven't seen this show in probably 20 years. How about you guys? Uh, um, I, I It's about the same. Um, I remember watching in the 90s with my, with my sisters on Saturday morning, but other than that, I don't, I don't remember this. Yeah. How about you, Dave? I, the last time I really watched it was the 90s, but I remember seeing a super cut of Cyclops yelling, Gene, <laughs> when I was in college. Nice. Yeah, I remember seeing a, a super cut of Gene moaning somewhat recently, because I think that was like a whole thing. Yeah, there was, the, 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 each character had like a noise, I want to say, that would be like, their kind of thing that they always did. And Wolverine had this kind of like growl, Gene moaned, Scott yelled Gene, and uh, Rogue was offensively Southern. <laughs> all right. So it's been a while for all of us, but uh, why don't we put it on and see what we think? All righty. And we're back. So we just finished the first episode of the 1992 X-Men animated series. Coming right out of it, what do we all think? Lee? I, it's like exactly how I remembered. It was pretty enjoyable. Some some stupid things, but I, lo I loved it. How about you, Dave? I had such a moment of being transported back into 1992 right something uh it was still also like pretty terrible <laughs> yes <laughs> like in an endearing way i don't mean that in like a i agree i agree as well yeah I, I completely agree it was it was a time machine it definitely brought me right back to like sitting on my parents couch eating cereal watching tv <laughs> but yeah it was <laughs> so many some of the jokes were really really bad but in a really again endearing way i think that's that's absolutely spot on i think so bad it's good that to me is just that i never questioned this when i was younger but them just hanging out casually wearing their superhero outfits oh yeah like 
like I'm just wearing a skin tight suit all day. <laughs> things uh, skin tight. I'm assuming latex. I can't. I can't smell good uh, anywhere. Maybe that's why Wolverine's such a grump. Everybody smells terrible. Oh God, that makes so much sense. <laughs> God, heightened senses would be terrible if everyone was wearing latex. I mean, oh. probably just normal everywhere because most people are disgusting. Like even short of wearing a superhero costume. This is true. Which we are finding out now. <laughs> People don't wash their, wash their hands. Don't use hand sanitizer. Ugh. People are gross. People are gross. Now, I think we're going to disagree here, but I thought the theme song was kind of meh. It didn't do much for me. I mean, it was no Animaniacs. Or Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's true. Yeah. I just don't understand that. Like, That is one of the great all-time cartoon theme songs. Like, da-da-da-da. Well, I mean, you heard it. You don't need me to do it again. But <laughs> You can, though, if you would like to. Yeah, please do. No, I think I'll... I'll... <laughs> we'll see how I'm feeling later on. But... That sounds good. Like, it doesn't need the catchy lyrics or anything. It's just, you know, things are happening. It's exciting. I guess that's fair. It just didn't do much for me, but it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't bad. Like uh, last week we watched commander N the game master. And that, that was a terrible, terrible theme song. That's this awful. one was fine. It just didn't like, didn't do anything for me. Had you asked me, had you asked me an hour ago to sing you the X-Men theme song, I wouldn't have been able to. Whereas, like Lee said, Animaniacs, Mutant Ninja Turtles, I could probably sing that jingle. If if you're around someone and the DuckTales theme song comes on and they don't woo-woo, you don't need to be friends with that person. But I don't get that with, with the X-Men. I, it, didn't, it wasn't like deeply ingrained in my brain the same way those songs are. But I don't think I watched the show as much as a kid either. That's I've watched all the first four seasons of this. I watched a lot, and that theme song was a pretty prominent part of it. Now, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that actually good, or is it just memorable because of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I think it's a good song. It's a I good think it's song. a real catchy song. You see, I, I think it's just that. They've got something of the rhythm, and I don't know music for crap, so I don't know what that is. But yeah, something in the rhythm there that gets into your as an earworm, and I'm not sure that's necessary. Yeah, I was about to say we call them earworms. Yeah, that song is absolutely an earworm. Yeah, I don't like worms in my ears. Oh, you're not into that? No, too much Wrath of Khan growing up too, as well. I was a very popular <laughs> child, as you can guess by all of the X Men and Star Trek. So it's funny, I. I... I usually do a like fun facts segment for uh, each show. And I did write this down because it is a fun fact about this show, but it's not really relevant to this episode. So I wasn't going to bring it up until you did. Um, But Magneto's sound effect is the same sound effect used for the Klingon cloaking device in, in um, not Wrath of Khan, but in uh, search for Spock. So to tie that all around. I never picked up on that. Yeah, which is, yeah. My my uncle could tell what episode of Star Trek was on in the background by the noises that were being made on like the consoles. So I guess I'm, uh... <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple shows I'm like that on. I could just by like the sound I can tell you 
at the very least what season it is, but sometimes even the specific episode. Example, is... Criminal Minds. Oh my god, we watched too much Criminal Minds. To circle back on what we just watched. Because uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a tangent, but I mean, I had to drop Star Trek because you dropped Star Trek. Um, I thought the animation looked good. I just didn't like it. Does that make sense to everyone? It, it, actually, it was not as bad as I was expecting it to be, but it was definitely a lot blockier than I think. Yeah. Well, it was, it was very, I mean, I mean, this is 92. This was, it was very reminiscent of like the, the Jay Lee era of, um, of Uncanny X-Men. And I just don't love it. Yeah. So like the, the animation itself, I think is kind of represent that studio system. They're pumping them out and it got way worse later on. But yeah. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Lots of muscles. I, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have quite the thing for pouches, but he. Uh, uh, yeah, he's not as bad as like a Rob Liefeld, but still, I did. The '90s were kind of a tough time for comics for me. I, it's it's weird because that's when I got into comics, and I got into like, like the image stuff, which was. I mean, it was they were they were just muscles. There there wasn't even characters. It was just muscles. Um, like I'm thinking Savage Dragon or. Bond. Spawn, yeah, yeah, like all all of that stuff. It's like it's it's really just a hood with muscles. Um, so it's so weird that like now when I look back on that stuff, I have absolutely no nostalgia. I cannot, I can't look at it. It doesn't, it does nothing for me. It's I, I think there definitely is a divide in current like X Men between or like of people who are old and remember X Men from their childhood and still enjoy it. There's the people for whom like this series in the nineties defined what the X-Men looked like. And then there's like yeah. slightly older who like we're reading during the Chris Claremont era where a lot of those stories get filtered into X-Men, but the look is slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. Going back and reading the Claremont stuff is it's tough for me because aesthetically I can't stand it, but his stories are pretty goddamn good. <laughs> and, so, and he gets the, the explanation that everybody continuously gives, one of the things I was thinking when watching this, when like Rogue just out of nowhere starts explaining her backstory, like <laughs> that's both a very child cartoon thing, but it's also Chris Claremont in a nutshell. Like it really is. Yeah. I, I think that guy was paid by the word at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but there was, there was a, uh, the, the Claremont influence. Then there's also looking at that mall scene, Whoever wrote this clearly watched a lot of Terminator 2, right? Or, like, they watched Terminator 2 multiple times. (laughs) One thing that it it does always give me nostalgia, I love the arcade. And, yeah, watching all these 90s cartoons, there's always a solid arcade scene. There was a solid X-Men arcade game, too, that I remember that I'd always, I'd pump. Yeah. Yeah, that one's real good. Um, The music... Like we said, I didn't love the theme song, and the theme song was used throughout the show and that was kind of it like was there any other like music playing or just the occasional dropping of the theme song when something badass was happening i think there was some like atmospheric stuff but yeah for the main like attention grabbing moments it was the theme song right which is probably why it's like earwormed into your brain if you watched it more than me because every time something cool was happening that theme song was playing so well that's just i wore out a vhs that i had of the, of the first two episodes that was part of a Pizza Hut deal 
that was like a nice Pizza Hut promotion. So it had it was like the the VHS, and then there were some like terrible comics that came along with it. I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't really care about those. I probably had those. I did a lot of P- Pizza Hut back in the nineties. You were a Book It girl, weren't you? Yes, <laughs> I still have my Book It pin. <laughs> what is that? Awesome. There was a Pizza Hut promotion where if you read, you know more than me. Yeah, it was like. Sign up at your school, read a bunch of books, and then if you read all the books, your teacher would sign coupon, take the Pizza Hut, got some free pizza, uh, free purse. I'm really jealous now because I I want that right now, like because I I want to be able to do reading. Yeah, it genuinely surprises me that you weren't a book at person too. That seems well, I know you were a nerd. I've been getting so much pizza. Right, that's what I'm saying. I got Think about so all the pizza you pizza. lost over the years. I mean, honestly, that might have been why my parents didn't want to sign me up for it because I was already like kind of staying inside all the time. Like, if I was just <laughs> consisting mainly on a diet of pizza, I would uh, probably have died. That's probably fair. That was probably a good po- a good choice on your parents' part. Fun fact: my my sister Rachel didn't eat pizza until she was twelve. 12 12 she would not eat pizza hey rachel and tv listening to this you did not like pizza until you're <laughs> yeah to circle back on the show so this is this was a weird this was a weird show a lot of the previous shows that we've covered going through the cast every person has been in like lots of things this show didn't really have like none of these actors are really popular in anything else. You know, um, I wrote a couple things down that I thought were interesting, but for the most part, other than this show, they haven't done much of anything else of note. Um, the guy who voiced Cyclops was Cathal Dodd. The only other thing in his credits I thought was worth mentioning was he was the voice of a random doozer. In Fraggle Rock. Oh my god. Not even like a named doozer, literally just doozer. That's awesome. Um, the voice of Jean Grey is Catherine Disher. And she was the voice of Jill Valentine in Resident Evil 3. Not one, but three. Random. Well, you yeah, work. Yeah, you do what you gotta do. Um, the last one, this one is kind of neat. George Booza. He was the voice of Beast. The random credit, uh, he is the voice of Turner Edison in the television show Maniac Mansion. I don't think it's come up on this show before, but my absolute favorite video game of all time is the 1987 Commodore 64 or Nintendo Classic Maniac Mansion. It is an old LucasArts game that's based on like campy sci-fi and it is goddamn good. I still love it to this day. I play it like once a year. It's amazing. Um, But he was, he was one of the characters in that show and he was also in the X-Men movie as just a random character. I think trucker was his credit in the X-Men, the original X-Men movie. I wonder if he was attacked by Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. Um, worth noting, all of these people 
played their respective characters in all of the Marvel TV shows. So when there was a crossover into the Spider-Man TV show and Cyclops was there, it was voiced by the same person. Um, so they were kind of these characters in this universe. So it's not unlike the Marvel universe we have today on a much smaller scale, obviously. Um, but again, outside of these characters, they really didn't do a whole lot. You know, there's no, there's no Frank Welker in this show. I wonder if that has something to do with what Marvel was kind of trying to do and setting up it. Like they didn't really care. I think as much about like some of the other animation things of, of the eighties, they already had like a product that people liked behind it. This was more just expanding something that really firmly existed and was very well defined into television. And this is true coming up yeah. thing entirely. Uh, that justified like a toy line. Yeah. Now there was a toy line. Oh yeah, there was... I remember. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was a pretty deep toy line too, because this show ran for like five years. Yes, and... Uh, and the last ones were pretty terrible. The last season. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I think didn't the show effectively end? Didn't they pull like a Scrubs, and the show effectively ended, and then they came back for six random episodes, and then ended again? I honestly don't know. I remember leafing through. A... And finding a new episode and being very confused when I was like, I don't know, eight. I'm like, I thought this show would, no, it would have been like, probably 10 or 11. I was just like, oh, I thought this was done. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny to think of now, but like what I think ended up blowing my mind most about this show when I was a little kid was it had like long running arcs like it would have a season like there there were like mostly standoff episodes but there it would kind of like uh buffy it would be like you know yeah something looming in the background that all comes in at the end no and you're absolutely right this is i don't know if it's the first show to do that in like a cartoon format but it's definitely among the front runners that this, this is not the norm um to have like story arcs um which doesn't surprise me because of the source material like it they're coming out of the comic book world that that works in that way and yeah, they could just basically take the last 10 years that chris claremont had been doing and mine that for stories right and i think they did yeah. i think did, did they do um didn't they do dark phoenix saga yes in the show which yeah i remember like so in season three there's like a two-part premiere where they're fighting an alien in the sewers and yeah then like at the end of it they pan out and then it's the the sky and you see the silhouette of the phoenix symbol and i was just like ah oh my god <laughs> this is the most incredible thing ever that's awesome yeah other than premieres um because a lot of like like mutant ninja turtles the first five episodes are, are essentially the premiere the whole first season is one story but then after that it's just story of the week story of the week story of the week um and most of these shows are that way. Sometimes the first couple episodes are like, you know, a one story, but then after that it's just one, 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 one. This is really the first show that I can think of that did that that like sort of narrative arc structure in a kid's show. So that is that's pretty neat. I'd also just like to say that Gambit has his whole supercharging superpower, but his main defining character trait seems to be horniness in this. Yeah, and like, um, yeah, I think I said what we were watching that uh that cashier was thirsty. She was trying to get some. <laughs> yeah, like there were one of the, like the dynamics 
between the characters were as silly as the dialogue was it was people who had like a pretty good i think understanding of how they related to one another like wolverine yeah. is ready to murder everybody at the drop of a hat cyclops but like, specifically cyclops he never liked cyclops yeah everybody kind of makes fun of gambit which i appreciate because <laughs> he like gambit is clearly set up as like the cool guy but everybody is shitting on him <laughs> i do like that did was there an arc where the story thought he was the cool guy or was he always the cool guy that everyone shit on? Like, did his cool guy character ever actually land? Uh, yes. I think in the, uh, in the, like the season finale of this first season, like they've got him fighting mm-hmm. off these sentinels in a, a scene that I remember at the time thinking was really cool. I have no idea how okay. I'd react to it uh, today. Uh, yeah. But then he also has to get uh, saved by rogue at the end, I think. Yeah. He kind of gives me uh, James from Twin Peaks vibes. Like, James was supposed to be the bad boy cool character that everyone liked and everyone just makes fun of him. And yeah, that's how I feel about Gambit. Morph is very annoying, as you noted, and oh, yeah. he dies yeah. very quickly. And and that's that's an interesting thing to talk about. Um, it didn't happen in this episode, so I didn't come up earlier, but they kill him. Like and they kill him if if I'm correct, right? Like he is gone, gone. Come back, but like not until later seasons. In the sense of if you have a comic series running long enough, everybody's gonna come back. This is true. Uh, Yeah, but that's pretty dark for a kids show. They they off a dude. (laughs) Yeah, Wolverine has like a whole like getting into the character that he has the whole like I'm going to threaten to murder everybody, but. Interesting in the show, his, his, like uh, he's the one who's immediately like, "Well, uh, kid's gone. I'm gonna go after find out what's going on." And then when more yeah. dies, he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna go and you know kill some robots." <laughs> well, gotta blow off steam, I guess. Yeah, they definitely found a lot of robots to fight for Wolverine because the reality of somebody whose powers are stabbing people to death really doesn't translate well to a a children's cartoon show this is something that uh came up when we were watching and that i just feel deserves some extra attention the fact that they really take care to specify that the mutant control agency is a private organization and there's a couple of implications of this that i think are worth considering one this seems to be very much it's the early 90s it's children's programming it's not the government that's after you kids it's this this private organization uh you know the government's not out to get you uh kind of like the, the anti-x-files but by the same token that's like in the real world there's a lot of ostensibly private organizations that the government supports to do really bad things so it just kind of had this interesting resonance to me because I, I study intelligence and like the CIA. I just remember this story that in the 1960s, the director of the CIA tried to find out how many airplanes they had in their dummy corporations and they couldn't <laughs> find out because they weren't keeping adequate records. Uh, so the Central Intelligence Agency doesn't know what all of its own cutouts are doing. And so I just thought that that's kind of interesting within the context of this cartoon show that you have the government outsourcing uh 
mutant killing robots and detention centers so it can kind of just wash its hands of it later yeah and i i had said at the time like it, it this is really ahead of its time because that whole privatized like prison industrial or military industrial complex is pretty common to us and that that concept but i wouldn't have I wouldn't have ever thought of that in the '90s. Maybe this is what primed me for <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> understanding. I, I realize it's kind of just ridiculous to talk about this in the context of a children's cartoon show, but that is, I think, one of the things that elevated X Men is because of the source material is yeah. as you know purple as it is, as melodramatic as it is. It is also rooted in having like a very definitive point of view on discrimination and on yeah, like. Uh, you know, fear of difference leading to the abuse of people's rights. Yeah, yeah. This is the part where I'm. We're gonna lose some um, some right wing listeners, but I don't really give a fuck. Um, whenever people are like, "Oh, I'm tired of sci fi shows or comic book shows being political," I'm like, "Well, you haven't been paying attention this whole time. The X Men has always been a statement on diversity and inequality." and treatment of minorities. Star Trek has always been about diversity. It's it's always been this way. You just haven't, you've missed the point. Yeah, and, and like Stan Lee is very, uh, very open about that in his letters in the 1960s, that uh, like in his kind of editorial yeah. comment that like he's got a message that he wants to communicate. And Chris Claremont did too. Uh, Chris Claremont, you know, one of the things that happens in the 90s is that the mutant metaphor begins to kind of drift away from civil rights and towards gay rights, uh, yeah. civil rights of the African-American struggle to, you know, uh, mutancy as a metaphor for being gay. And, yeah. you know, that was something that, you know, in the eighties, it was all like, they couldn't get it past the comics authority, but Chris Claremont said, you know, some of my characters are gay and he like, he's writing yeah. against that stereotyping while he's not able to acknowledge it because of the constraints that he's working on. I mean, say what you want. Like I said, they, this has always been a political show. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a fair point. And it's like everybody, so like Mystique, you only see her in the credits in this episode. But it's like Mystique and her partner, who is a, an older woman that she lives with and that they're seen having coffee in their bathrobes in Chris Claremont's <laughs> uh, comics. Like, yeah. There's some implications there. Yeah. But it's, I, I, and I, like we're all you know straight folks talking about all of these different messages i it, true I, I remember there's this fantastic article uh that the name of which and location of which i'm forgetting entirely because i've been slowly going insane for a week inside my house <laughs> drinking yeah, uh, yeah. No, but it was basically somebody who talked about reading comics with kitty pride helped them kind of like realize their own sexuality because you know, Kitty Pride is very much at certain points, depending on the author, a, a, a queer coded character. And yeah. so that like that can have, you know, for I think people who aren't on that wavelength, they can just kind of flow right by. But it can be something incredibly important for, for people, uh, you know, who do identify with those characters. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it. I think the the positive effects are twofold. For people who are on that spectrum, it, it provides them visibility that they're not seeing otherwise. And for people who aren't on that spectrum, like I said, for me, I grew up reading 
and seeing shows where these characters were there and it wasn't like made a deal. It wasn't a thing. So as these things became more public, it never seemed strange to me. It was always that way in, in the media that I was consuming. I never understood why people made a big deal about it. And I think it's in large part because of the things I was watching and reading as a kid. Yeah, it turns out uh, you teach kids that they should be all right with difference and not, uh, you know, have a knee-jerk rejection of people for being different from you. You can have good things result from that. Hey, how crazy is that? <laughs> Christ. Uh, since we brought up Kitty Pride to go circle back, they did actually film, I think they it aired as part of this show, but they filmed a pilot for a show before this yeah, it, they, that was focused on Kitty Pride and it didn't it go didn't anywhere. On, as part of the series, but they did release it on VHS. Oh, yeah. This uh, took off. And I, it, I, it was a it was a pun, and I'm trying to Pride of the X Men. Pride of the X Men. I watched that yeah. one a lot too. And Is it good? I've never seen it. So it's I think worse than this. It's been a, I, okay. I've never watched it as much. The thing that always stands out to me in my memory, and I have no idea if this is accurate or not is that it has the most Australian-sounding Wolverine that I've ever heard. <laughs> and he has a line at one point like, that don't make her an X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting take. I'd be interested in checking that out. Does, does he go like full-blown crikey? Or? <laughs> I don't remember that, and now I'm worried that my memory is just like, altering this but it's oh yeah it's it's noteworthy because all of their like costumes their look it's all very much the 80s rather than the 90s look uh so it's like right from the pages of what uh you know you would find in the uncanny x-men yeah so that's more like claremont era then right yeah yeah Yeah, that's interesting i wonder if that's on on uh disney plus because this is all on disney plus for for the listeners if they haven't watched it already. All the episodes are on Disney Plus, so it's an easy find. I, I remember reading that the rights for that were all weird because it, part of the reason it failed was this whole like weird business venture that Marvel was getting into that didn't quite pan out. So yeah, I hadn't thought about that because I think this this show was Fox, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it's not on Disney Plus. I just checked. Uh, okay. Are the X Men movies on Disney Plus? Only the X Men <laughs> cartoons. Soon enough, once everything is owned by Disney. Uh, yeah once literally all media is owned by just everything (laughs) it's one of the it's getting there have you heard of the release schedule issues of the new mutants movie no Uh, so this was supposed to come out in i think 2018 and then it got shelved supposedly for reshoots but really because of this whole disney fox merger and it was only supposed to come out and it got canceled because of the coronavirus oh my god Uh... I'm not sure it actually like verifiably exists. Yeah, the coronavirus is uh, slowly but surely destroying everything that I hold dear. So that's fun. All right, well, Dave, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Oh, happy to do it. It's good to talk to you too. Do you have anything that you would want to plug on here? Uh, not really. Not unless anybody wants to go uh, buy an academic book about the cia and the press's interaction with one another uh what's the title because that sounds awesome the rising clamor came out last nice. year you can find it on amazon yes yes you can assuming they're still shipping things 
Well. So I think we're good. No, I'm just messing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, our social media is at uh, 8BitFusion on Instagram and Facebook. Our website is popculturejunk.com. Um, so I encourage everyone to follow us there. Uh, this is usually the segment where we talk about what Comic-Cons and conventions you can come see us at. But we don't have any because the world is ending. Um, yeah, everything for uh, April and May has been officially canceled. I'm really bummed out. Um, hopefully we will be back up and running in May and June. I just picked up the Trenton Punk Rock Flea Market in Trenton, New Jersey for May 31st. That's a Sunday. Um, I hope that we're good by then. I would I, that Trenton Punk Rock Flea Market is one of my favorite shows to do. Um, a lot of great people that run it, a lot of great vendors. So I really hope we are up and running by then. Fingers crossed. Otherwise, we will see you in June or July or the fall, I guess. Um, but yeah, I am super bummed out that this is what's going on with my small business. But please make sure you're supporting all the small businesses out there. Uh, buy something that you like that's really cool, like a piece of jewelry or a t-shirt it would really, or a piece of art. It would really help them out. Thank you. Yeah, support small businesses because we're all hurting right now. Um, follow us on social media. For when the world does start back up, you'll know where to find us. Um, we also have a Facebook group that I encourage everyone join because we like to post things about this show and, um, you know, memes. We're doing a March Madness right now. When this airs, we'll actually be announcing the winner. So it's not even like I can tell you to go vote because that's over with. But we'll be doing fun games and everything in the so in the Saturday Morning Showdown Facebook group. So join it. Have a good time. Um, rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. Um, that's all I got. Quarantine edition. Signing out. Peace. <laughs> it's such a bad move that destroying the VCR was the line that just couldn't be crossed. Why you don't mess around on the escalator. <laughs> that kid is on the escalator again. Don't touch anybody now. <laughs> Rogue is living in 2020. <laughs> really is. Doing great. The original social distancer. <laughs> <laughs>